Hello and welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. I'm your host, journalist Holly Rubenstein, and here each week I'll be speaking to a very special guest about the seven chapters in their life's travel diaries. From their earliest childhood travel memory and the first place they fell in love with, to their hidden gem and what's at the top of their travel bucket list. We'll be uncovering their adventures around the world and the travel experiences and destinations that have shaped their lives. Well, hi, everyone. I hope that you're all having a good week this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast so far. It's been a great start to the season. Doesn't it feel like autumn has arrived here in London? But, you know, actually, I'm not mad about it. It's nice to get cosy, isn't it? Light some candles. And I had my first roast the other day. So, yeah, it's a nice time of year. And speaking of coziness, thinking of very cozy places to stay. I have yet to tell you about my discovery in the Cotswold summer. Actually, I stayed in the summer, but would be equally lovely in chillier months. I'm thinking about its wood burning fire. Now, you might have heard me mention on the podcast before about Lakes by You. Lakes by You is like a very private collection of lakefront houses and cabins in Lechlade on Thames in the Cotswolds, one of the most beautiful pockets of the Cotswolds and so well situated for exploring all the famous villages and now on another lake there they've opened a handful of lakeside cabins and my husband Alex and I stayed there for a couple of nights with our dog and we had the best time I really can't recommend it highly enough the cabins are furnished with everything that you'd need for the most comfy self-catering state amazing interiors and very spacious across two floors you don't have to do much cooking while you're there even though you could breakfast is delivered to your door in a an amazing hamper each morning and there are delicious dinner boxes that can be put in your fridge while you're out there's a nice cafe just down the path from the cabins it's a really tranquil setting looking out over the lake which much to my dog's delight was filled with swans and ducks and it's very kind of peaceful and bucolic very dog friendly because there are so many walks everywhere and just perfect for families the perfect family holiday getaway indoor pools zip wire kids club tennis courts loads more outdoor activities but at the same time because it's all very spread out it if you're not there with kids it doesn't feel like a kid's destination at all it is a high price point but just bear in mind if you're looking that um, there are two king-size bedrooms in every cabin so you have two couples there plus there's an extra area in the cabins for kiddies to sleep and of course you can bring your dog and the use of all the facilities is included as well so I'd really recommend checking them out and a big thank you to Lakes by You for hosting me we had a great time right on to today's episode. I'm joined by podcasting royalty today. He is the co-host of the mega hit podcast Off Menu, one of my favorite podcasts, and Taskmaster the podcast too. He's a regular on our TV screens on shows like Mock the Week, Would I Lie to You? He's soon to be one of the new hosts of Pointless, and he's part of the esteemed judging panel on The Great British Menu. He's currently touring the UK with his critically acclaimed stand-up show Electric. It is, of course, Ed Gamble. From coastal California to a catastrophic cruise, romance in Japan and the beaches of Cyprus, Ed takes us on a wanderlust-inducing world tour, also picking his own dream off-menu-inspired menu from the different destinations he's visited along the way. So much fun. So fasten your seatbelts, guys. Let's get started. Ed Gamble, welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. It is so exciting to see you today. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited because I am truly Off Menu's biggest fan. Now, a lot of people say that. A lot of people say that. What are your credentials? (laughs) Okay, what are my credentials? My credentials are that I've created my dream menu innumerable times in in so many different scenarios I did read that you said that um Papa Dom's or bread has become like a real chat up line now apparently so I mean neither (laughs) neither myself or James are on the apps uh but apparently uh quite often the opening question on a lot of things will be Papa Dom's or bread if I was single that would be certainly one of my opening gambits absolutely Uh, but also I mean and I don't know if you get this quite a lot but so all of my family list off menu every week. And um, 
we're, we're kind of on first name basis with you and James. So yeah. like, you know, I feel like I, I know a lot of people feel like they kind of know you as a result. Yeah, but I don't know if you if you find that with having a podcast as well. There's something more intimate about podcasting, I think, sure. than doing a TV show or even doing a radio show. Uh, you really feel like, I mean, I, I certainly listen to podcasts where I don't know the hosts at all. And if I saw them in real life, I'd probably feel slightly familiar with them. Yeah. I'd probably, and but that that is quite nice when when you meet people. It's sort of less of a. Um, it feels like less of an event. They're more willing to just come up and have a chat rather than run up and you know start yeah it's less <laughs> weird. Being weird it's yeah. less weird it yeah. is less weird and we do we are we're blessed with a very nice and cool fan base so uh, nice. so yeah it's good and so obviously we're here to talk about travel and your travel diaries you're on tour at the moment traveling yes. constantly you know what do you think of life on the road do you like it I do. I really like it. I mean, it doesn't feel like travel in the traditional sense. I mean, I guess we are moving to lots of different places, but a schedule on tour is very much arrive at the theatre at about five o'clock so my tour manager can set up the gig. I'll order a delivery for me and my support act. We eat it and then we do the show and then we leave. There's there's very little time to actually go out and explore a town or get to grips with where you are. I mean, I guess there's like an hour where I could go out, but quite often I just want to sit in the dressing room and watch stuff on my laptop. (laughs) Um, So it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a travel experience. It's, you get to meet people from that place, but you don't get to necessarily experience the place as as much as I'd like to. It's more like a rhythm almost. Yes, exactly. Oh, it's totally rhythm. And it has to be a rhythm because there's like 90 dates on this tour. Um, So if you don't get into a rhythm, you can send yourself a bit, a bit bananas. Well, we're going to chat a little bit more about the tour later on, but let's kick off now with your travel diaries, Ed. Yes. Um, Right at the very beginning, chapter one is your earliest childhood travel memory. Now, I do have very early childhood travel memories, but I just think they might be a bit useless because it's like I remember seeing a palm tree when I was three or something, and I don't think I can flesh out the story much more than that. So certainly the, one of the first uh, places that uh, me and my mum regularly used to go with uh, with our family friends uh, was to Cyprus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we must have gone there three or four times and stayed in the same, stayed in the same villa uh, and you know, you go to Paphos and drive for like an hour and a half to find this villa, and then it's just it's like you know near a farm, and the the villa was uh, was rented out to us by the local farmer's son, and he would come over every morning and bring us a massive box of uh, oranges to make fresh orange juice oh, with. How lovely! I mean, it was just absolute heaven, and I don't know whether there's something. I mean, it's probably a heavy dose of nostalgia as well, but. It felt like we were there for like three months at a time, even though it would have only been two weeks. It just felt like it was it was most of the year. Mm-hmm. That's so funny, isn't it? I always think that about about any kind of summer summery time when you're young. Like mm. it, it, this, the time just seemed to elongate for some reason. Yeah. I'm not really sure what happened there. Although I did read that the Earth has actually sped up, right? Um, very very minimally. I'm not sure that's what I'm not sure that's why I thought we were in Cyprus for a long time because the earth was really slow then. I think it's more likely the first thing you said that when we're younger everything feels like a long time, doesn't it? That's Absolutely. why kids always complain going you say oh wait 5 minutes and they go no I can't wait 5 minutes I can't imagine waiting 5 minutes because it fe- every moment feels agonizing whereas sadly when you get older, everything goes past extremely quickly. This is true. It makes makes me feel very old talking about that. <laughs> and how early on then did you discover comedy? Like, did you have comedic idols from a young age? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've certainly, when I've spoken about it before, I talk about it being a really big moment when my mum took me to see uh, Steve Coogan um, uh. when I was 13. He did a tour called uh, The Man Who Thinks He's It, and he did Alan Partridge and Tony Calf and Pauline Calf. And Duncan Thicket, and I absolutely loved that. I couldn't, I just couldn't believe that people could <laughs> could do stuff like that. And it was obviously like a huge show, and it was in a massive theatre. Um, and I loved the show, but it was just the it was just the notion that people could go up and sort of do what they wanted and be silly, and and people would people would adore them for it. I think. Mm. But even before that, I remember I had a, a comic relief tape, like a double uh, cassette tape that I used to listen to in the car, which was like best bits of comic relief from across the years. Um, and one of the clips was Ben Elton um, doing uh, his very famous routine about trying to get a double seat on the train uh, and trying to stop anyone else sitting in the other seat. And I just screamed laughing at that. There was a French and Saunders clip on that as well that I, absolutely killed me. So I think it was always lodged in my brain 
uh, that that's something I would like to do, or certainly something that I was very I was very interested in being more involved in. Mm. And and were you a, fu- a funny child? I mean, did people say? Yeah, so? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I was cheeky. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't With think my personality is, yeah, exactly. I don't think my personality's changed a huge amount, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm still basically a, a, an annoying little boy. So yeah, I think I was definitely, definitely a funny child and definitely a funny child at school as well. I was, I, I think I was a funny one. A lot of, I think that's the narratives on, on that has changed quite a lot. You see a lot of comedians saying I was the quiet one or totally, I wasn't yeah. the funny one at school. Um, you know, the funny one at school was always the loud one and they weren't actually that funny. It's like, no, 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 I was the loud one. And also I hope. <laughs> funny so moving on to chapter two that is the first place that you fell in love with uh new york and i fall in love with it every time i've been back since it's probably quite a hack answer for your podcast but i I, um we went uh with uh, my mum's friend me and my mum went with my mum's friend and her son who was like my best mate at school my mum's friend was running the new york marathon Mm -hmm. um so we went out for a few days just to sort of cheer her on and we stayed in, I mean, if I stayed there now, I'd think it was absolutely awful, but we stayed in a hotel literally just off Times Square. Um, right so in the heart of the tourist right central. In, right in the heart of the tourist center. I mean, and since I've been back to New York, I've just avoided that place like the plague. Yeah. Because um, it is a lot. I mean, it's like staying in the middle of Piccadilly Circus. and But massive. And you, we walked out there uh, uh, when we arrived and I couldn't believe, I was completely overawed. It's like, and I still have this experience now and again. It's just like being in a film just right in the middle of a film and you can't quite believe it. It's a really surreal, transportative experience where you can't believe everything's so massive and you can't believe you're there. And I fell in love with the sort of scale of New York then. And then since I've been back to New York, been to loads of different areas and stayed in loads of different areas and fallen in love with all the different flavors that New York has to offer. And I I mean, I can't wait to go back. It's I mean, I say it's probably one of my favourite cities in the world. A lot of people get annoyed by that. It's a Marmite city, isn't it? I mean, it's been picked as a favourite city on the podcast plenty of times and also um, the place that some people would never go back to. And I think partly, actually, it does depend on where you stay um, and what what district you're in. Um, But I guess it's the energy, isn't it, that that there's some cities that are can be very overwhelming at times. And sometimes I find New York a bit, it can be quite claustrophobic at times, can't it? Oh, totally. I can't imagine living there, uh, living there for any longer than you know two weeks or whatever. I think I think it'd be a lot. But even so, I I, I went back uh, a few times and stayed in Brooklyn because mm. I was like, I'm cool. I can go and stay in Brooklyn. And obviously, <laughs> I, I mean, as you know, I absolutely love food, and some, uh, Brooklyn has some astonishing restaurants, and it's you know yeah. a nice community vibe over there. Uh, but now I just go back to Manhattan because I. I, I like nipping over to Brooklyn and hanging out for a bit, but I still want that buzz that I experienced mm. the first time I went there. Mm. So I don't stay in Times Square, I tend to stay in like East Village or something like that, but I still want that exciting Manhattan thing where you, you wake up in the morning and you can hear loads of honking horns and you can hear police sirens. And to me, that's really exciting still. Oh, totally. And I mean, obviously the food scene there is amazing. Could you have foreseen in a way that you would become associated with food as much as comedy for some people or or even more so? Yeah, I I probably couldn't have foreseen it to this level, but I mean, food is something I've absolutely always loved to the same level as I've loved comedy. Um, but probably again i mean it's weirdly it's it's like the times square brooklyn thing i think i as a child and as a teenager and right through until i graduated from university i was you know a proper binge eater and just ate anything and loved food but mainly for the feeling it gave me rather than enjoying good food and enjoying you know you know going to specific restaurants and uh, thinking up my favorite dishes and things like that and cooking but then i sort of changed my lifestyle a bit uh, and now I'm just more obsessed with food, but about about good food, as you know. So it's nice that I've been able to talk about what I love within the co- within the context of comedy. That seems to have had a knock on knock on effect and sort of taken my career down yeah. a different path. Yeah, I mean, kind of a dream scenario, isn't it? Blending so. your two fave things. I think so. Do you know that if you Google your name, that mm. is Ed Gamble vegan is like right up there? Yes, I well, I was for nine months. Uh, it was twenty seventeen, no, twenty eighteen. I want to say so, twenty eighteen January. Weirdly, just been to New York. Uh, came back. I was vegan for nine months. I thought I'd give it a go. 
I was never intending. I wasn't like, this is my life now. I just want to see what it's like. And That's then, a really long period of time for someone who is such a foodie to have such a different yeah. li- lifestyle. And how did you find it? Well, I think it was a long time because I found that you could actually eat incredibly well and there's so many really? great options there yeah. now. And also it's just, to me, it felt like another challenge to investigate a completely different area of food. So you end up going to different restaurants, you end up shopping in different places, you end up cooking different things. Um and I loved it. I really loved it. Um, the only, I mean, the only reason I stopped was because I was going on another holiday, which I will, I will tell you about shortly in the next chapter, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I was like, I'm not going to mention this publicly that I'm doing this. And then I did, it did slip out when I was doing an episode of Mock the Week, which is why now I think it went on my Wikipedia. And now I get yeah. a lot of contact from people saying, are you still vegan? Are you vegan? I thought you were vegan. I'm right. Like, no, I'm not. Ve- I'm not vegan anymore, guys. But what it did do was open me up to a whole new world of food. And now I will regularly order the vegan option on menus. I will cook vegan meals. I, I'm. I'm. I think I'm eating less meat now, but mm-hmm. I am still, unfortunately, part of the problem. <laughs> well, you were saying you might be leading us on now to chapter three. That if, is, if this is the question, I think it is the place will... where you learn the most about yourself. Nah, sorry, it's a no. terrible answer. This one. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, the place where I learned most about myself, um, I went on numerous holidays after exams with friends from school. And it was probably, I truly learned this um, about myself the first time we went to Newquay when we were 16. Standard. The standard. <laughs> it was a ho- obviously a horrible holiday. It was like eight of us staying in one room, 12 of us in another room. It was just all pile in. And that that was fun. I enjoyed that element of it. But I just really discovered that I'm not a going out to a club or staying out until four o'clock in the morning guy. I found that out when I was 16. And that is supposed to when that's supposed to be when you love doing that. Yeah. And I really, I had to force myself to do that. And I absolutely <laughs> hated it. No matter how much I drink, no matter what I'm doing, I need to be thinking about heading to bed at about midnight. That's, that's when I need to start thinking about it. And sure, sometimes I might stay up till two. But that's in very exceptional circumstances. I'm certainly not the person who can get ready to go out at 11 and then get back at four in the morning. That's not me at all. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, no one came back with their STDs from New Key on this trip then? No, absolutely not. And certainly not me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and no, therefore, was, did yeah. you have time to take in the beautiful Cornish landscape? No, of course not. We were um, we were staying in this little in this. I mean, was it a house or was it just like some rooms in a in a house? But we we we'd taken over the whole thing, and yeah, we were near the beach and stuff. But we were just sort of down the road from a pub called the Foster's Pub, and we just used to go there every night and then go and then go to the clubs, and it was it was a pretty gross holiday. But I even now I'm just I can't go to anywhere loud like that. I need to be able to hear people. I need to a bar. I'll stay in a bar all night, but a club absolutely not so that might surprise some people because they think about maybe comedy clubs being like quite quite, quite a late night scene there is, mm. isn't there like especially in new york actually isn't there kind of a really late comedy scene which is a bit a yeah. bit kind of raucous and a bit hedonistic but i like i like that because there's something happening so there's i enjoy comedy so the first time i went to new york well, not the first time but um i worked in new york for a, a couple of weeks on on a tv show and on the last night i went to the comedy cellar and went to the show that started at half midnight and that goes through till like three in the morning. And I absolutely love that because there's something happening. I love comedy. I was sat at the back, you can steady flow of alcohol whenever you want it. And you can just enjoy something. There's something to focus on milling around uh, a deafeningly loud room is my idea of absolute hell. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at mint mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do? Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. <laughs> Tell me about this latest tour. Like what the, is there a concept? Is there a particular premise? I've never, I've never been one for premises or, you know, from the outright, because a lot of comics will say, oh, my show's about this this year and they've yeah. not even finished writing it yet. And you're like, oh, well, how do you know what it's about then? You've not finished it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll write the show. I'll write about things that have happened to me recently. I'll write about, you know, about not really about current events but they'll get a mention and then you know this and then i'll string the show together and it normally turns out there is an overarching theme because i've written the whole thing in you know a few months so of course it's my state of mind when i wrote it but this year is a very silly show really is that there's a lot of i've been saying to people i tried to write a political show this year and it just ended up being about breakfast um (laughs) there is a huge routine at the end i'd say like a 20 25 minute routine about buffet breakfasts which is my favorite thing i've ever written people have written about them before but i think i have the definitive routine now i think i have angles that no one's ever thought of Um, (laughs) and i'm very proud of it and it's just there's a lot of silly stuff in this show that it's being silly in a way that i would only be with my friends and family and i'm finally working out a way to do that on stage so it's the closest i've ever been to myself on stage i think oh that's really interesting okay the the real ed gamble is on on the stage everyone so that's a reason to go yeah the trendy way of doing that with a, a lot of people talk about they go oh, I'm you know really exposing myself this is you know the most honest I've ever been is like talking about trauma or talking about things that have happened to them or really opening up whereas my version of it is I can finally do some really dumb voices <laughs> <laughs> so okay I, I don't want to give away the buffet breakfast routine but buffet breakfasts are obviously a very important part of travel mm-hmm. and part yeah. of travel diaries yeah so in terms of your in your routine for a buffet breakfast you know what means the most to you what can a hotel deliver to you that will make it the best buffet breakfast it can be well the routine sort of centers on british budget hotel buffet breakfast so it's about how the, the quality is always extremely poor but you just go and pile it up anyway and i love i love that element of it because when you, i don't know how you feel if you know on the rare occasion i've had a really fancy buffet breakfast it doesn't it doesn't feel right <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. just and i do love a posh buffet i mean i've so i've I, i've done shows in dubai before and oh, stayed yeah. in one of the mega hotels in dubai and the buffet's just insane it goes on for about 8 miles and you can have sushi for breakfast and stuff yeah. and i did i did love that but we had buffets three times a day so you're eating breakfast and then going right and starting to think about lunch and you're like 2 hours away from lunch you're like right here we go and it's an onslaught of food that was good. I enjoyed that. And then buffets in Vegas. I, I went to Vegas very recently and went uh, went for dinner at the at the Wynn buffet. Um, and I mean, that was phenomenal. But it just, it's all so good. You're having like a little bit of nice stuff and then coming back. And there's something specific about a budget buffet where you're just piling it on like a, like a, a, a Chinese food or you can eat buffet where it's not very good and you're just getting through it. There's something specifically nostalgic about that, as opposed to getting prime rib in Vegas. 
It's so true. It's so true. I mean, the watery scrambled egg is the thing that comes like first. Well, to that mind. gets that definitely gets a mention. I've got a good line about the watery scrambled egg. So oh, if, yeah. if if anyone listening to this feels like they uh that's their sort of thing, <laughs> come and see the tour just for that line. Watery scrambled eggs, uh, solid baked beans is the other thing that I would say. Oh yeah, so solid baked beans. Yeah. I mean I'd really lay into baked beans in the show. So yeah. I always really get irritated in I, I, I think it would probably be more resorty style hotels when yeah. I see the people pile on just like endless amounts of fruit. Yeah. I'm like, you've got all this stuff. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. built yeah. in. Like go for something more, more exciting than the fruit. Yeah. And when they're on holiday as well, you just think, come on guys, relax, yeah. stop having all that fruit. And um, now and again, I'll have on tour, you know, we stay in some all right places on tour. And if there's a, there's, we stay in the sort of places where there's a buffet element but then you can order as well. The a la carte uh, option. The a la carte option, exactly. Uh, I do both, uh, a la carte option, and then a few bits at the buffet, and now and again fruit, because you've got to keep on top of the fruit uh, when you're on the road, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how many vitamins you get from a very wet piece of pineapple and some tin peaches, but I give it a go anyway. Is comedy tour scurvy a big problem? Yes, we, we've lost a lot of people this year to <laughs> scurvy and rickets. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on now to chapter four. That is the big one, your all-time favourite destination. So I think, I mean, it is a very big question. Yeah. Because I've had some very, been very lucky to have some lovely holidays. Went on honeymoon in, uh, in May. Congratulations. To, uh, thank you very much to uh, California and had an incredible trip. Um, and just drove around and that was fantastic but oh, what I was think... what was your itinerary because that was also my honeymoon I oh okay great so itinerary fly into la a couple of days in la uh drive to palm springs few days in palm springs lovely where did you stay at the ace hotel oh, in nice. palm springs which was lovely the architecture there is so cool isn't it oh it's so cool again talking of feeling like being in a film you feel like you're in the 50s it's fantastic yeah. i really loved it and then drove from Palm Springs to Vegas, a uh, few nights in Vegas. Awesome. Buffet, very good. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd go back to Vegas. I'm glad I've been. You can tick it off that you've been I can to tick it. It's off. like a, going into another cinematic world. Exactly, but not quite because I think the Vegas that is presented to us uh, through the medium of cinema is the glamorous high-rolling Vegas Whereas when you actually arrive in Vegas, a lot of it's quite disgusting. And seedy. And seedy and just too hot. And then I didn't realise, I hadn't clocked that if you go into the casinos, everyone's allowed to smoke in the casinos because they don't want people to leave. No way. Yeah, so we were checking in. Our room was lovely. So we were staying in the Venetian, which is one of the the biggest casinos or whatever. And the the actual hotel part's lovely. But then you check in and you're right next to the casino and just stinks of cigarettes. You're like, I've not had, th- I've not had this for years. Years, yeah. It's like stepping <laughs> it's in back in time. Yeah, it's stepping back in time to 2007. Um, and it's just an odd place, but I'm glad we went. Uh, and then flew from Vegas to San Francisco, um, which is up there for another one of my favorite cities in the world. And then drove from San Francisco back down to LA, but stopping in Big Sur and stopping awesome. in stopping in the wildest hotel I've ever stopped in in my life. Mad. Uh, the Madonna oh, can, can Inn. I guess, I was yeah, going to oh, guess, sorry, was sorry, it the Madonna yeah. Inn? Yeah. The Madonna Inn in San Luis Obispo, um, which was just crazy. I mean, my wife was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to go there. I was like, I don't know what this place is. And then we checked in and I was like, I see where you want to go. Here. Okay, exactly so tell us aesthetic. about it. I haven't been, I, but I've read about it. It is. It's a crazy place. I think there's like 250 rooms. It's this massive motel, essentially, just off the, just off the freeway. And it's... Every single room is themed in some way. And uh, and our room was called Tall and Shorts because it was originally designed for a tall person and a short person. That wasn't evidenced <laughs> in the room. It's just like mad pink carpets. And right. we were there for one night, which is what I would recommend. The restaurant is just this pink and gold monstrosity. But it's kitsch is the way to sum it up. It's like kitsch. Yeah, super it's kitsch. Super kitsch. And we... We had an amazing time. We arrived, we were a bit early, uh, so we couldn't check in. So we went to the bar, which is another fantastic kitsch masterpiece, and had, I'd say, you know, three drinks, but in in the States, they free pour. So we were 
absolutely blasted and then went to the <laughs> boutique and ended up buying loads of clothes um so that night I, clothes. yeah or, well i was wearing a cowboy shirt with big skulls on it that had like <laughs> sort of diamante eyes or something and my wife bought um a like caftan dress that matched the carpet in the restaurant amazing i mean matched we had we carpet. had an incredible time the, the clientele is great because it's a mix of people who clearly go there all the time. So couples in their 60s, 70s, 80s who are like up there dancing on the dance floor and, you know, clearly go there, you know, once a year or whatever. And yeah. then hipster couples who are like, this is so ironic. Yes. Like a lot, a lot of that going on. But it was, it was an absolute, it was an absolute ball. And we ended up, yeah, so that was, we went to stay in Santa Barbara for a night after that and then back to LA for a couple of nights and then we were home. But yeah, an amazing three week trip. Uh, so it sounds so wonderful in fact on um the pacific highway one if you're doing that road trip san luis obispo i think is a bit of a hidden gem that people sometimes drive through and it's actually a really cool place to um to stop there's some cool restaurants and there's a cool vibe there yeah i feel like i'd like to go back and and not we're not necessarily to there but just do that drive again and take longer over it because i think we i think we still did it in like three or four days and stayed in big sur for a couple of nights that was and that was amazing but Mm -hmm. i'd like to do it from from Oregon and do the and do the whole thing and that's the whole holiday but it's not even the answer to the question no sorry it isn't the answer to the question um, so it, this we, we now move on so that was the honeymoon to, to your all-time fave <laughs> my all-time fave is where I proposed in 2018 uh and it was in Japan Great. so we had I think we had the holiday of a lifetime really uh, traveling around Japan was absolutely incredible and we are so excited that they finally announced people can go back. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a really long time. Um, and it's probably, you know what, 2018 was when we went and we'll probably end up going next year at some point. And that fi- actually feels like a perfectly normal gap of times going to Japan, like five years. But we've been wanting to go back the moment we landed back in the UK. Really? So, uh, yeah, so, so tell me it. all about it. I've never been to Japan. It's It's probably top of my travel bucket list. Yeah, I was just absolutely overawed by how how wonderful it was i mean i follow my stomach around the world right so um the food i don't i don't think we had a bad meal and we were there for two and a half weeks um, amazing and you can just walk into places and you're pretty much guaranteed that it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be nice um you know the ones that you need to watch out for are the places that are like trying to des- desperately trying to serve to tourists and serve western food but um just we we started in tokyo and spent a few days in tokyo and stayed in i mean we went really tacky first night and stayed in uh, like a hotel with godzilla on the top um <laughs> which so uh, and it it's a massive godzilla and it roars every hour and like smoke comes out of its uh, out of its nose and stuff it was great <laughs> in fact so this tattoo here is of godzilla so this is the only tattoo i have that means anything so i've got a godzilla oh. because the day i proposed we were staying in that hotel oh no and then all of these these flowers were done by so this is a married couple uh, tattoo artist called Ian and Barbie and Ian did the Godzilla and and Barbie did the flowers because these were the flowers on our wedding invite and there's oh a gosh. there's a yuzu there as well to to represent the fact J- I Japan proposed oh, in Japan yeah so, okay so I mean it's memorialized on yes, you forevermore absolutely absolutely um, and it's Tokyo's a beautiful city I mean that. It, talking of similar to new york there's different just different flavors everywhere and you can really just go around the whole city and and experience all of that like we stayed in uh it was in shinjuku um so it's like mad uh like so much going on but just in a really exciting way it Mm. doesn't interestingly like so vegas was seedy and there's loads going on in vegas tokyo there's bits of tokyo that could that could feel seedy from an outside eye, but when you're in them, you just feel like you're in the hustle and bustle, and it's exciting. Yeah, uh, like the Golden Guy, the little the little alleyways where there's just bar bars all the way along, and they seat like six people each. It's just yeah. it, just genuinely exciting, and they really the attention to detail and everything in Japan is amazing. They really care about what they're producing, food wise and experience wise, and everyone uh, the is the clean one of the cleanest places I've ever been. Not necessarily the center of Tokyo. But there's no bins anywhere because everyone just takes their own rubbish home. No way. And I, I love that. <laughs> it sounds so much like my dad, but I love that. And we traveled around uh, on the bullet trains and on the various other trains and just got like a, a pass, a, a Japanese rail pass. And that was that was brilliant. I loved, I loved being on the trains as much as I loved being off the trains because really? they're so fast and they're so efficient. It was just idyllic the whole thing was amazing so where else did you go on on your trip 
so we went to we stayed in Kyoto for a little bit as well which mm-hmm. is obviously like one of the older cities and they've got you know a lot of temples and you'll see like geisha you know walking around the streets and stuff it's got it's more of a sort of ancient ancient japan feel but also we we stayed in this hotel and we're opposite this restaurant uh called uh uh rutabo izakaya rutabo and went there three times because it was so amazing it was a bit more like a hipstery restaurant the guy who ran it was really fun, and you just go in and sit on the bar, and he had a big smoker behind the behind the bar, and just like used to smoke various things, uh, um, yeah. and that was incredible. Uh, we went there after dinner once. We went for <laughs> dinner, and then we went for another for dinner a second there. dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we said in Kyoto, uh, Miyajima, um, which is like a temple island. Um, so you used to not be able to set foot on it because it was so holy, and they've since there's like a big temple gate in the water. You used to just have to go and sail through that, and then and then leave but now they've they've opened it up a little bit but there's like three inns so we basically just went and stayed in a and b essentially wow. you sleep on the on the um mattress on the floor uh and then it's just very peaceful and you have to get the boat over there and stuff and that was lovely so yeah and then was it back to tokyo i think it was back to tokyo after that for a few more days so we'd love to go back and just explore the rest of it but we uh. still we went to like hiroshima and we went to various other places on the train for day trips but, oh, sounds epic! And Nara to Nara, where you've got to go if you go, which is the everyone goes there, but it's the deer park where it's just overrun by deer, and you go and buy like a big bag of deer snacks, and you just walk around feeding all the deer all day. Oh, that sounds amazing! I mean, what's so cool is that it it's in one trip you can have such a contrast between exactly. the, the bustle of 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 Tokyo yeah. and then the peace. When I picture Kyoto, I picture just like such tranquility yeah there's i mean certainly in those in those temples if you walk around the temples you see it's the closest i've ever come to understanding religion <laughs> because you walk you come out of the bustle of a city and then walk into one of those temples and it is all just designed to be utterly peaceful and completely completely put your mind at ease and i sort of was like okay i, I could get this maybe i'm a maybe i'm a buddhist <laughs> completely and i guess also if you proposed at the start of that yeah. trip that is always going to have such a special place yeah. in your heart now as well a risky a risky play proposing at the start but um, <laughs> yes, true. as i said to my wife i said i don't want to be carrying this ring around for the rest of the holiday that is your responsibility now <laughs> i brought it all the way here yeah, it was great. It was lovely as well because of the time difference. I proposed to her and I think it was like three in the morning in the UK. So we couldn't tell anyone. So for a few hours, it was just our thing to yeah. think about, Yeah, which was really lovely. So we just went and got some lunch and then we went out that night in Tokyo and just got hammered. It was great. We <laughs> went to this great yakitori place where it was just a bar and there was just like, they had the grill behind the bar and just pissed people in the corner and they're just hammering out the uh, amazing yakitori and then we went to um have you seen you must have seen clips of I mean, it's a pretty touristy thing to do the robot show in, oh yeah i have in Tokyo. yeah oh my god it was great fun we had no idea what was going on we loved it and we just sat there we just my wife just like going, yeah just screaming she'd go i'm engaged trying to tell the robot <laughs> that she was engaged um oh it was brilliant such good nights out but then then there's so much else going on that you don't even need to do that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Such a fantastic city. The Food in Japan always gets a special mention. And um, I think we, we I mentioned briefly that I was going to ask you if you're up for it, if you might be able to do a little ode to off menu yeah. and help us create your dream menu, just a starter, a main and a, and a dessert comprised of restaurants all around the world, because you have traveled so much both you know, with work and, and you know for fun. Uh, what kind of comes to mind for those three dishes, different places? It is so hard, isn't it? So so just the three dishes, you just want to start a main and dessert, I think. I mean, definitely, I think that Rutabo, that Izakaya I told you about, the first time we went in, he he pulled these, and it's not very Japanese at all, but out of the smoker, he pulled this, uh, he did this smoked plate of basically, there was smoked bacon on there, it was just like thick pork belly that had been in the smoker for hours. A smoked quail's egg, uh, some smoked cheese, and some smoked nuts. Oh. And I don't, I don't remember being happier because <laughs> I love that. I love all of that stuff, and just the way he'd done it was so beautiful. And it was almost because some, sometimes with smoked food, it can be a little bit overwhelming and a little bit fatty or whatever. But he'd just done it in the most perfect way, and that with a with a freezing cold beer as a mm. starter. I don't, 
I don't think you can do much better than that. Oh, it sounds amazing. Also, like not things that I would necessarily put together myself. Yeah, on a plate, but they yeah. they worked. Yeah, they really worked, and it was more it's sort of snacky and like picky, and I quite like that in a starter. Oh, main course. Oh God, this is going to sound so so simplistic, but this is just how I'm feeling right now, and. This is why off-menu is such a horrible thing to do to people because it changes every day what you fancy, right? Yeah, well, same, same with all-time favourite destinations. Like, yeah, yeah, completely. Same, same vibe. I'm going to take it back to Cyprus um, because, I mean, this is probably what... I do actually feel like eating this every day of my life, but there's something specific, and I've probably, I'm probably looking back on this with rose-tinted spectacles. In Cyprus, we used to go to the beach um, pretty much every day, uh, and there was like a beach taverna where we'd have lunch every day and i'd always have the same thing and it was halloumi and chips Mm, just fried halloumi and then the best chips in memory the best chips i've ever had in my life because i think cypriot potatoes probably are considered to be one of the best ingredients for chips i think and And just the the way they were cooked (laughs) yeah and the same for halloumi exactly um crispy but also enough (laughs) enough moisture in them as well and just halloumi and chips and that's it (laughs) that is literally a salad that they put down that you don't touch um, (laughs) or put down a Greek salad and just eat the feta off the top. Um, But halloumi and chips, but it has to be in that taverna in Cyprus and I I have to be 10. Right. Oh, I mean, that is a meal that could be so bad as well. Halloumi and chips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just thinking about that, I've not thought about that in years. That's great. I love halloumi and chips. It's amazing. (laughs) Oh, dessert. Oh boy. I'll t- I'll tell you what I want. I want um I will I'll eat this halloumi and chips and then uh, I'll go for a little walk and suddenly I'm in New York and I'll go to uh Milk Bar um which is uh Christina Tosi's place. It's, you know, just an incredible dessert bar basically. Mm-hmm. They do amazing cookies and amazing uh cake bombs, I think they call them. Um just like cake balls basically, just like oh. mashed up cake. The cookies are amazing. They do one called a compost cookie which is just like loads of different stuff in it and it's got cornflakes in it and it's just fantastic. And they also do a thing called crack pie, which I don't know what's in it, but it's called crack pie. Once when I went to New York, I bought some crack pie, put it in my uh, hand luggage so I could take it home. Uh, and then um, two hours into the flight, I got it down from my hand luggage and ate it on the plane. Um, it is <laughs> phenomenal crack pie. I think it's like treacly and it's, oh, just delicious. But the thing I'm actually going to pick is they do a cereal milk milkshake. And I'm going to have that for dessert. Cereal milk milkshake. So the, the dregs of the cereal taste. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they basically, I think, at the beginning of every day or whatever, they steep cereal in a massive vat of milk and then drain the cereal out. And then they've basically got, you know, the bottom of a bowl of cereal and they use that to make a milkshake with with ice cream. Oh, and I God, think they make cereal milk so ice good. cream as well. And it's such it's such an intensely nostalgic taste as well. 100%. It tastes like sit, sitting in front of the TV on a Saturday morning. What, do you, what, what cereal do you reckon they use? I'm not sure. I think it's a sugary one. <laughs> well, it's the US. I'll say so. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I suspect it's a sugary one. So maybe one of those ones that they're not allowed to sell in the UK because they send <laughs> yeah. kids insane. <laughs> Whenever I went on holiday when I was younger to the US, um, I'd always come back with boxes of cereal. Yeah. It was something that we'd always pack because th- they had ones that you could never get, like Rice Krispie Treats cereal. Do you yeah. ever have that? No. I oh. mean, it sounds insane. <laughs> it, it was so good. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah. milk is an that's an amazing recommendation. What part of New York is that in? There's a few. So there's it's a little chain, and there's actually I think there's one in LA now as well because we went we went when we were in LA last time. Um, but yeah, Milk Bar just oh everything nice. they sell there is fantastic. Sounds sounds incredible. So well, that that was an amazing off menu ad. Thank, thank, thank you, you so much. Um, so moving on to chapter five, then um, your hidden gem. This is a place that you love that maybe my listeners don't know so much about all right i'll tell you where i genuinely went we went on tour and i wasn't dreading going to this city but i didn't know anything that it had to offer so sometimes we have a few hours before a gig or whatever and we'll go out for a meal and this is going to be possibly the least glamorous sounding hidden gem that you've had on the podcast but we found a lovely little bit of this city down by the water with loads of lovely restaurants it was a sunny day which i think is rare in this place and we went and sat down there were loads of cool people around and we had a drink and we had some tapas and it was just a delightful afternoon. And it was Hull. Hull? It was just this very lovely area. I'm going to yeah. see if I can find... I'm going to... Uh, 
I know this is awful on podcast, but I am now just going to try and Google the name of the area uh, because it was it was great. It's I mean, it's probably my hipster thing of being excited when when there's clearly uh, there's clearly sort of a bit of regeneration going on in an industrial area, and they start putting pop up uh, <laughs> pop up restaurants in there and stuff. And I'm sure uh economically it's actually quite damaging in the end but uh <laughs> i think it's the fruit market in in hull um mm-hmm. and it must be where there used to be a fruit market essentially but now it's just like a number of little streets with nice restaurants and nice bars and it's near the water and it just seemed like a sort of chill vibe and a lot of cool people hanging out nice uh, yeah i'm looking at it now there's like there's all these different restaurants there's little there's a little theater there's uh there's like an outdoor stage there's an art gallery and we just had a we just had a really nice afternoon and i i don't know whether it was nicer because it sort of took me by surprise because hull has a bit of a bad rap sometimes um but we we had a, we had a great time so my hidden gem is the fruit market in hull love it absolutely love it and of course we also love you on the great british menu now dream gig i have to say totally totally dream gig <laughs> um I wondered, you know, obviously you're sampling the best chefs from all over the country. You know, it's mm-hmm. what that's what's so great about it. It's not just like London centric. So, of all the different chefs that you've sampled, was there have there been any ones where you've travelled outside of London to get to their restaurant because you were so blown away by by what you ate? That's a great question. I've not had a chance yet, honestly. Since we filmed the first series, I have been working (laughs) flat out even to the extent we're now filming the next series so i've just started on the next series we started last week um and very excited to be doing that there are so many chefs that are on my list that i am desperate to go and eat at their restaurants so one of them especially is is nathan who got through to the final and got through to the banquet for wales he's got a restaurant in, in aberystwyth um near aberystwyth and i'm going the frustrating thing is i'm going to aberystwyth at the end of this week but i don't have time to go to his restaurant oh, man. um and he i mean he got a, a, i think bef- just before the banquet or straight after the banquet he'd got a he managed to get he got a star which is very well deserved he awesome. he's the chef who brings his own homemade barbecue everywhere he goes i was gonna say um, isn't he also didn't he smoke something on on his menu? yeah there was smoke, he did yeah. a lot of a lot of grilling and a lot of so yeah, everything he does yeah. is sort of touched by flame and i think that's yeah. the general vibe of his restaurant and i'm absolutely obsessed with that sort of thing yeah uh, as we may find out in another answer um so uh so definitely he's he's on my list but they're all they're all fantastic uh i actually recently went to the restaurant of someone who was on the series before i joined full time so i did a guest judge slot on the previous series uh, on the dessert finals week and one of the desserts i gave a 10 to and it didn't get through but i loved it was roberta who is the scot was the scottish chef and she's got a restaurant called the little chart room in leith in edinburgh uh and i had the opportunity to go there while i was doing the festival and that was an absolutely astonishing meal so that's a huge huge recommendation if you're if you're in edinburgh and you feel like a nice fancy meal go to uh, the little chart room fantastic right the penultimate chapter ed is chapter six and that is your worst travel experience it wasn't a holiday really it was working uh but there was traveling involved um i did gigs on board a cruise ship uh for about 10 days which was longer than it should have been so it was the maiden voyage of this cruise ship Had, had you been on a cruise ship before never no i haven't never I had all uh, all the reputation of a cruise ship uh, in the back of my mind, and uh, it's all true. Um, so I think their idea was they wanted to get some younger comedians on board to do some shows to sort of change the reputation of cruise ships. So there's like some younger entertainment going on. The thing is, they can do that all they want. What they can't change is the clientele. So they're offering entertainment to people who do not want that entertainment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't know, maybe their idea was if they keep doing that, eventually some young people will hear about it and come on board a cruise ship. But if you're advertising the cruise in the same way as you always advertise the cruise, you're not going to change the clientele. And the guy who is always on the cruise ship, the sort of compare of the comedy club thing and like the entertainments guy was like, this is not what it's like in America. In America, they're more sort of late 30s to 50s and there to get drunk and there to have a wild time whereas i think the reputation in the uk certainly is a lot of very old people right so totally um, different totally different 
But we did it anyway. We'd set sail from Southampton. The first leg was for the press because it was the maiden voyage. So it sailed out to sea, turned, sat there for two days, turned around and came back to Southampton. What, why? The, well, oh, just, just, because, just to give just them a the vibe. Press, just to give them an idea of what it's like. Right. So they were, they were all on, <laughs> yeah, they were all just getting pissed because it was free booze for them, I think. Right. Um, but the gigs were awful. They're in this little bar. They had a huge theater as well, but they had people like Bobby Davro in the big theater. And we were just, it was the first leg was myself, Joel Domit, uh, Chris Ramsey. Quite a good lineup then. Oh yeah, it was pretty good. Chris was in the big theater and then me and Joel were in the little, in the little bar, uh, along with the compare who's called Simeon, who shout out to him is absolute legend. I had a great time with Simeon. The audience were just so bad it was just our the original thing was you go on you do half an hour each uh and then i think i got 10 minutes in and simeon was at the back just going no come on just come off come off <laughs> so i think every <laughs> night we ended up only doing 10 minutes which is a blessed relief um because they'd already decided it was a bad idea so then they got off then real people got on um and we i think we went to where do we go first yeah because joel and chris got off i stayed on I was staying on to do more gigs. And then Jarlath Regan got on and we went to uh, Rotterdam is where we went to. Terrible gigs again. These were all terrible gigs every night, dying on my ass every single night. Every time there was a new leg, I had to go to the safety uh, the safety talk, which was in the ice rink. There was an ice rink. So I had to put my coat on and go and sit in the ice rink and listen to how I was going to drown. Um, <laughs> then uh, we went to Rotterdam. Lovely day, walking around Rotterdam, straight back on, dying our asses again go out to the bars, get drunk, seeing the audience that we'd just seen, you know. Um, <laughs> then I got a call saying, oh, Ed, they, they're they aware it's not going great, so they don't want to get new comedians on and have to coach them through how bad it is or um, <laughs> or sort of deal with it because they think you're dealing with it quite well. Oh, um, God. So would you stay on for the next leg as well? <laughs> and I was God. like... Oh, this, will you the take one for the I team yeah will you take one for the team I was like absolutely not it's awful they went well they'll double your money I was like right yeah of course I will <laughs> yeah. then Jarleth got off and another comedian got on Andrew Ryan and we had three more days of absolute hell I mean it really was dreadful and this this ship was massive was that so was the sh- as well as the gig being hell was yeah. was the like environment also hell yeah I'd say so I mean look good buffets again Really yeah. good buffets, uh, and I just go out and get drunk every night, but not in a fun way. In a oh my god, this is the worst trip of my life sort of way. Um, it's just <laughs> quick but, whiz around it, the ice rink to clear your head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to enjoy anything when you know that that gig's coming up in the evening. So it does tend to consume your whole day. So you know, I was going to the gym. I was trying to do that. I was trying to keep keep my head above water, literally. And it was it was a rough trip, and no, it's just. It's just not the audience for it. No. Um, so, I mean, I hated it. It was it was like being trapped in hell for 10 days. <laughs> so no plans to book uh, a cruise holiday anytime soon. That's not what's Absolutely at the top not. of your bucket list. No. I, I, I understand it when I, I'd imagine when I'm a bit older. Yeah, maybe. Because, you know, it, it felt like a... I think there's a community of people on there. There were plenty of people by themselves there as well who seemed to get involved in all the activities and stuff. And I completely understand it if it's if it's your sort of thing. But also after uh, after COVID, there's absolutely no way I'd ever get on a cruise ship again. Mm-hmm. Images of cruise ships just sat at sea for about three weeks while everyone got COVID. Also, they, I mean, this might be a bit dark for this podcast. You know, they have a morgue on cruise ships no. because everyone's so, everyone's so old they have to have a morgue <laughs> because basically every cruise someone passes away. So, oh my God. Because they have imagine? to put them on ice until they get back to the next port. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, m- moving on then. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been so fun traveling around the world with you today. So many great destinations. Chapter seven is the destination that is at the top of your travel bucket list. Where haven't you been that you would love to go? Well, it's, I mean, the stomach should be rumbling again because I, I'm just doing where I want to eat, uh, really. Uh, so, I've talked about smoked food and barbecue food quite a lot, but I've never truly experienced like proper South of America, like deep South barbecue. I've, I did a job that took me around America quite a lot, but we were working and then we only had a couple of days off here and there. And we did a bit in Texas, but had one day off and went to San Antonio for like a day, but didn't really get to eat what I wanted. 
uh, and we filmed in Nashville, but I didn't really get to eat what I wanted. But I'd love to go to the deep south and just do a barbecue tour, just tour around going to all these different places. I mean, Texan barbecue and South Carolina mm. barbecue and all of that. I want to hit up all those spots, go to Atlanta, go, you know, do do all of this and just go on a bit of a food tour of the of the, the deep south and uh, shallow south. That sounds epic. Do you watch Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives? Of course. I'm obsessed with Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives. <laughs> okay. We used to we used to watch it every night, but now uh, now I think more more TV options available. We don't have to have the Food Network on every night. <laughs> it's exactly the same yeah. as me. Um, but really good for if that when that trip yeah. happens, you could get your tips from there, can't you? Yes. Yeah. I think I, I'm more I, I'm now more into things like um there's a show called the barbecue show i think and there's oh. it's just a bit more like where they really romanticize people doing barbecue like getting up at five in the morning and getting the coals going and all of that i love mm. all of that those beautifully the ritual shot, behind it yeah those beautifully shot netflix shows i love all of that like chef's table and things like that so yeah i think i'll use those as my guide because quite often with diners drivers and dives they try to romanticize it, but then you look at what they've actually made and it looks horrible. <laughs> it's quite hit or miss, isn't it? It really is. Like there's some places that look great, but then there's every time Guy Fieri were like, Oh yeah, that's Flavor Town. You're like, no, it looks horrible. It's like a <laughs> bowl of old slop. I mean, like I say, I think I'm probably three days in, I'll be like, Oh God, I feel so sick. I just need a vegetable. Um, but in my mind, that would be a wonderful trip. And also, I mean, my other potential answer to this was Mexico because I've never been to Mexico. I love Mexican food and I'd love to go and have proper authentic, authentic. Mexican food in mm. Mexico. I think that would be absolutely amazing. So who knows? I could combine the two because I could end up in Texas and then just pop across the border. So <laughs> if you're, if you're allowed to, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I think that this is a, a TV series that needs to be made. Yes. Well, so do I, obviously. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I feel like I feel like we might be at the stage with television where we've probably had enough of uh, had enough white men going around eating things. Maybe. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I think Paul Hollywood might be the last person allowed to just pop around the world eating things and going, "Oh, that's delicious." <laughs> so, <laughs> he just got back from Mexico. Sad. Times. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, ch- no chance for me. But you know, I'll just I'll tell you what, I'll just work hard in other areas and just go and enjoy it off camera. Awesome. Ed Gamble, those were your travel diaries. It's been so much fun. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, that was so much fun. A huge thank you to Ed Gamble. Ed is touring the country with his new stand-up show, Electric. For tickets and further info, visit edgamble.co.uk. Thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to hear more from the podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe or if you use Apple Podcasts to hit follow so that a new episode lands in your podcast app each week. And if you're really enjoying it, I'd be so grateful if you fancy leaving a quick rating or review. If you want to be the first to find out who's joining me on next week's episode, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. I'd love to hear from you. And if you can't wait till then, remember there's the first seven seasons to catch up on. That's over 85 episodes to keep you busy there. Don't forget that all the destinations mentioned by my guests are always included in the episode show notes here on your podcast app. And they're also always on my website, thetraveldiariespodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening and I'll be back next week. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers 
just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm